It is 11.04, Dr. Payne, two hours this morning. Hello. Phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Ready to take the issues that you have, be it a physical do it. and pain. Pain maladies. Pain. Shut up. <laughs> Every time. You're never going to let me live that no, down. never. You and your comorbidities. That's right. Thank you. What's going on, Val? Not much, you. <laughs> How was the week? Good. Very good. Yours? Good. What's uh, what do you got for me for the week that was? Yeah, what's been let's, happening? Let's start with um, something that I think is pretty prevalent, but for whatever reason, we don't talk about it that much on the show, and it's uh, scoliosis when you have abnormal curvatures in the spine. Well, I got a bit of that. Yeah, a lot of yep. people have some type of a of an abnormal curve in the spine. Now there are some normal curves that happen in the spine. Um, we have this term called a lordosis and a kyphosis. The lordosis, you should have one in your neck and in your low back and then in the upper back. Okay. You should have this thing called the kyphosis. And when you look at the spine, what an ideal spine is, it kind of has these curves because it acts like a spring so that when we're walking, there's a springing component to it uh, versus if you have an absence of curves or sometimes you get extra curves for whatever reason or people get the wrong curve in the wrong place. A scoliosis is um, something that, again, it may not necessarily be a big deal. It all depends on how much of a degree of these curves you have. So although you can have uh, a kyphosis, which is normal in the thoracic spine, some people have more of a kyphosis. Mm -hmm. And that causes you maybe to have more neck extension, which can create neck pain. Um, A lot of people have somewhat of a scoliosis in the thoracic spine because the heart is a little slightly more to the left side. And as we develop, it might put some pressure on the spine and push it a little to the right. Um, So there's varying degrees of curvatures that matter. Now you can get, once you start getting into 15, 20, 25 degrees of a curve, a scoliosis specifically, it starts to become significant. If you've ever been told you have a mild scoliosis and they've taken an x-ray and you hear something like 5, 10 degrees, Mm -hmm. not that bad. That's pretty, again, it's not necessarily ideal, but it's not also something that is overly concerning. Um, But then you can get into the point where you may have 30 plus degrees of a scoliosis. These are surgical cases. This is when you have to go see a spine surgeon and they put things in to try to stabilize the spine, get you uh, straight. Because again, when you look at the thoracic cavity, it's not just a matter of, okay, it's affecting the spine. All your vital organs are in that area. So if you've got, you know, a curve that's pushing things the wrong way in the spine, it's also going to push some vital organs um, and put pressure on them. Now, scoliosis matters a lot more in adolescence because we have growth plates that are open, which means our bones can change and we grow up until about on average about 21 years old. Um, so kids are very, very important if you find a scoliosis or if you're a parent and you're looking at your kid and you think they may have a little bit of an abnormal, quote-unquote, abnormal curve in the spine, uh, that's important to get checked out because you want to monitor that child because that's when it can still progress in an adolescence up until 21 years old. After 21 years old, roughly, you you have uh, what's called skeletal maturity, which means that all the growth plates absolutely fuse. Once that happens, your scoliosis can't get any worse. In the absence of trauma, you can get a traumatic Mm -hmm. scoliosis. So you get some type of a fracture and that creates a curve. That's a totally different scenario. We're talking about what would be termed an idiopathic scoliosis, which means there's no apparent cause for it. It just tends to happen in people. Um, And so this is very, very important that in a child with a scoliosis, it is important to go see somebody, get that monitored every six months to a year just to make sure that that curve is not progressing. Because again, once it starts getting towards 
15, 20, 25, 30 degrees. Um, that becomes potentially after 30 degrees surgical. But beyond it being just surgical, that's also where the child starts to experience a significant amount of pain. Um, and so then you can have that once that, and a lot of people, I myself have a 15 degree scoliosis in my thoracic spine, which again, as I was young, didn't really matter. But now as I get older, it is starting to create some chronic back pain issues because what happens with the scoliosis, if we have muscles on both sides of our spine, when you have a curve in that spine, uh, what's going to happen is on one side of that curve, the muscles are going to be under a state of mm-hmm. chronic uh, tension, like a stretch. And on the other side, they're going to be under a state of chronic contraction. So you can imagine that neither is overly comfortable. If yeah. you take your bicep and you try to hold the contraction for you know, a prolonged period of time, that is not very comfortable. Equivocally, if you take that bicep and completely extend it, that's also not comfortable. And so with the management of scoliosis, and once people who have the scoliosis um, have a certain amount of pain with it, this is where someone who knows what they're doing, some type of spine expert, um, is going to be able to help you with what things do you do on the muscles that are in a chronic state of contraction and what things do you do on the muscles that are in a chronic state of stretch. And the the intervention has to be very specific. It also matters where is that curve. Some people have what's called a C curve. Uh, so it, it, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a C. Uh, some people have an S curve where you have two curves, mm-hmm. one maybe up in the high back, one in the low back. Um, and sometimes you can have it just in the low back. Also, what happens with the scoliosis, especially in towards the, the lumbar spine, is it can shift your pelvis, which means one leg could be shorter than another. Um, so all these things can have an effect. And, and again, this is something that's actually quite prevalent, but for whatever reason, we don't talk about it uh, that much on the show. But I did see um, a patient this week that I um, reminded me of all this because she had a pretty significant scoliosis, um, 25 degrees, I believe, and... Uh, and it's really creating a lot. And she's she's much later in life now. She's 40 or 50 years old. Um, and it's starting to create a lot of issues. For a very long time, she did have pain in that in that specific area of her spine. Uh, but now she's starting to feel face pain, leg pain, wow. all these things. And yeah, and, and the reality is that, that that scoliosis, that area is likely to undergo the degenerative changes more. Maybe it leads to some spinal stenosis um, or it just leads to, again, muscular and functional imbalances. But... A lot of times these things do cause pain. Now, don't be fooled, though, if you're 30, 40, after skeletal maturity, you go see somebody that says, because I hear this all the time, we can get rid of that curve for you. No, you can't. You can definitely find someone that can help you manage it um, and and help you to manage the pain that's associated with it. But anyone that makes you believe that after skeletal maturity, they're going to get rid of that curve uh, by simply external factors, it's not happening. And a coat it, hanger. It, it, it's yeah. it's not ha- Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not a coat hanger. There's your body has fused that way, but you can do stuff to manage it. Pain, you're in pain. You have questions about it uh, here, right? For the next two hours, four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell info at paincarecanada.com. and to get a hold of Doctor Lou anytime one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. Doctor Pain Show continues. Talk radio AM six forty. It is 1114. Yeah, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell to call in and talk about your uh, your issues. We'd love to hear from you. Nick, good afternoon or good morning. How are you, pal? Yes, good morning to you guys. How are you today? Good, sir. What's happening? Great. Um, Dr. Liu, I was diagnosed with transverse myelitis, which oh. is a uh, uh, an autoimmune disorder yep. that, uh, related to MS. Yep. It's in, my, it's in my upper spinal cord, C3, C4, so it causes a lot of problems. Right. I'm, 
I'm very lucky, Dr. Lou, because I'm still very functional. Good. A lot of people that have this uh, lose their function and, uh, and paraplegics or what have you. Yeah. The, the question I have, Dr. Lou, is very simple. I, I take Lyrica, mm -hmm. which is actually very good. It quietens down all the nerve activity, so I'm not, my nerves aren't on fire as such. But the only undesirable thing is it does make me very, very drowsy. Right. And from a work standpoint, the amount of Lyrica I take, uh, unfortunately, is, is not good. So I'm just wondering, is there an alternative, Dr. Lou, that would, uh, you would recommend? It's tough to say. Um, so when you look at, you know, something like transverse myelitis or MS, you know, you, you're going to have a component of nerve pain, obviously, as you know, but just so for the yeah. listeners. Um, and Lyrica really is very good for that type of nerve pain, neuropathic pain, chronic pain, fibromyalgia. And the reality about any medication that really works well on nerve pain is it's a whole point is to tone down the nervous system. Um, right. right, which you can appreciate. Now, the reality about the nervous system, it, is, it also controls how alert we are, how conscious we are, and it would be very, very hard to have uh, a medication that works on the central nervous system without also affecting the drowsiness, making people tired. That's just kind of the reality of medication for neuropathic pain. And you're right, Lyrica is great for this type of issue, but it does come with its potential side effects and or adverse effects that maybe the, the patient doesn't necessarily want. But um, in all honesty, I can't think of anything that would be medication grade that you, you know, it's not like you're just saying it's chronic pain. This is transverse myelitis. There's actually demyelination going on in the spinal cord. And so you have to treat that medically. Um, and, and in doing so, the, the unfortunate reality about that class of medication is it's going to have an effect on the whole central nervous system. And that is also going to include uh, your ability to be alert, more conscious and all those things. And that's just kind of um, unfortunately that double edged sword that comes with the reality of taking that medication. And I and like you said, it works great for what you want it to work for, but it may have some undesirable uh, component with. And I just think that's that's the part of healthcare where and I think you'll appreciate this Nick is you got to look at the at the risk versus benefit and the benefit here greatly outweighs um, you know the potential risk here which is it makes you a little drowsy you're maybe not fully coherent to the best of or to what you would want to be but that's unfortunately the reality of all of those classes of medication Well, that, that's not, it's not, you know, that's something, again, I can't make specific recommendations for a patient over, you know, the radio, but I can definitely tell you that, yeah, does medical marijuana have its place in this type of stuff? Absolutely. Can I tell you that that would take you off the Lyrica? I'm not sure because I don't know the full extent of your case. Um, and, and in all honesty, you're likely dealing with a neurologist with this. That's probably a very good conversation to have with the neurologist. Right. Yeah. But that's, that's also an option. Medical marijuana has its benefits for, for neuropathic pain. Now, you may be able, in that conversation with your, with your neurologist, uh, there may be a way to maybe tone down the amount of Lyrica and supplement some marijuana. Or there may be a contraindication with other things that you have going on where right. he or she may not want you on medical marijuana. So that, that's, that's a loaded question. And, and yeah, there are other things. But in general, I guess my response from the Lyrica standpoint is that it is going to have its effect by toning down the central nervous system, which also means it's going to tone down. Now, you have to also realize with medical marijuana, 
similar effect, right? It's a psychoactive drug. So if you do something to tone down the central nervous system, one of the side effects of marijuana is you're going to be drowsy. Like right? bake you out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's still it's still going to have a similar type of effect. No, that's perfect. Thanks a lot, guys. I do appreciate it. And that's a great summary, Dr. Lou. No you. problem. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate that call. Will uh, should we take it? Uh, what do you think, Jody? Take a break. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll get to you, Gregory, as well, and your phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Payne Show, two hours today, right till 1 o'clock, talk radio, AM 640. 1122, Dr. Payne Show, two-hour edition till 1 o'clock this afternoon. We'll get to uh, Gregory. Greg, thanks for hanging in. How are you? Oh, thank you for uh, taking my call here. No worries. I'm so glad to get a hold of Dr. Lou. My issue uh, is not so much of the pain, uh, but it's itching throughout my upper body, well, even even down through my legs at times, predominantly at night when I go to bed. Now, mm-hmm. doctor, this thing doesn't uh, persist as much to any degree in the summer season, whereas it does as I turn into the, to the winter season. I know you're going to say something about moisture, humidity in the room. I don't think it's that simple. Right. I just want to know, and I, I'm scratching at night, I'm itchy. I wonder if it's allergy-related, or what can you say about this? I'll leave you. Go ahead, sir, please. So how long has that been going on for? Uh, <laughs> a number of years, actually. Okay. I'm, I'm not a spring chicken, my friend. I'm uh, 71 years old. I'm okay. in very good health. Uh, but it, it's, uh, I've ha- okay, i, I got to back up a bit here. I had an issue of eczema when I was a, uh, a baby. Then I had an, inc- an incident in my early 20s where I would break out into an extreme inflammation on in the sun first time of the year okay i got over that too i I think now i can go down to florida and i can get a bit of a a moderate initial tan as i i sort of like a protector and it i won't have that problem right the 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 inflammation of uh, immediate inflammation is no longer a problem but the itching that predominates now uh, on my daily life in the evening or and i i just i can't stand it. it it's hard on me I'm taking antihistamines at times that just knock myself to go to sleep, and I don't think it's the right way to go. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, you're right. Definitely, like, moisture changes can absolutely affect it. It could be some type of an allergy, especially if it's long-standing. Could be some mild autoimmune. Sometimes people, you don't necessarily have to have a severe autoimmune disease um, that creates an issue, but maybe you can have something very, very mild preclinical that creates something like this. Uh, nerve issues can create itching all over the body too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other things, uh, vital organs, sometimes if there's, uh, for example, with uh, the pancreas, if there's issues with the pancreas, that can create itching. Now, it seems not as likely with you because of how long it was, it's been going on. Um, you know, but again, different types of things going on in the body can definitely create itching um, and widespread. I, I would say that it's, it's worthwhile. Have you, had, have you tried to have this investigated? Uh, to a degree, some years ago, my, my family doctor just told me to use certain moistures, uh, not, not moisture as a creams, uh, uh, you know, surface, surface treatments to uh, lessen the, the effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing that really got down to the nitty gritty on what's caught. Like, I, I want to ask you too. Like, I may have an unknown allergy. How would I be able to determine that? It's a tough. It's a tough question. Yeah, some. Uh, you're right. Sometimes there's things that are just subclinical, um, and it'll be very, very difficult um, to figure out. The only thing that I can, I guess, think of to try to rule in, rule out with, you know, with headaches, with pain, we tell people create a diary. Um, And so maybe creating a diary and following, you know, what's the temperature like today? What did I eat? 
um, you know, everything. When was the last time I washed my bed sheets, et cetera, et cetera, being as detailed as possible. And then over weeks, months, uh, you may be able to look for some type of common feature where you say, okay, there we go. Um, you know, there's uh, there's something that I see there. So that that would be my best suggestion. Or also, you know, again, call me. Uh, let's set up an appointment where we I'm can. Gonna, I, I wanted to, you to refer to that. I mean, I'd like to talk to you about, and not on the radio here, but what type of medications I'm taking and my whole health issue. But uh, the strange thing about this is that it only occurs in, we get into the, uh, we, we escape the summer season. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that, that's the idea. Oh, I, if you give me your, your number, I'm going to get back to you, and we can bounce this around a little bit more. No problem, Greg. Here's that number, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, one eight five 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 doctor Lou to uh, to follow up. Hey, Herb, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. What's, uh, what's going on with you? All right, so I'm 75. I had uh, excruciating back pain a couple months ago to the point where I had to go to the hospital. And the doctor didn't take any x-rays or do much else but give me uh, morphine, one milligram. It told me to take half. I couldn't even uh, stand that. And now, uh, two months later, the, the pain is uh, pretty much gone. My GP referred me to a physiatrist. I don't know what a physiatrist is other than what I've Physi- seen online. A, a physiatrist, maybe? No, physiatrist. A pain Physi- management person. Is that what you are? Physiatrist. That would be a physiatrist, not a physiatrist. Oh, physiatrist, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. My appointment actually is tomorrow. Uh, in my 40s, I've, all, I've had the same kind of back pain, manifested, manifested itself on the left side, mm. went to sports injury clinics, pain went away, didn't bother me, and until about two months ago, it was so excruciating, like I said, I had to go to the hospital. So I'm not sure what to expect from the physiatrist, really, what kind of questions to ask. Uh, I heard you uh, talking before about uh, somebody with back pain that uh, had to do with... Um, Spine curvature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, I've had, I think, what's known as, uh, as a rear end shelf. You know, my my spine kind of curved. Okay. My daughter years ago, who's an adult now, had, uh, um, oh, what's that term called? She had, um, uh, you know, her spine was curved to the point where she had to have rods put in. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. Hair. Yeah. Scoliosis with hair and ten rods. Exactly. Yep. So I don't. I don't know if that's running in our family and. Uh, and so basically, that's really my questions. What should I expect from the physiatrist when I go tomorrow? Well, yeah, I think what you should do when you see the physiatrist is, number one, just give them a detailed account of what mm-hmm. you have been going on or what's been going on with you. Um, they are going to – it's really their job to investigate, so they're going to ask you a lot of questions. Uh, sometimes people need to – sometimes I find with my patients, some people will walk in um, and they'll actually have things that they've written down because whatever for whatever reason, maybe they're a little bit nervous. They aren't good under pressure. They tend to forget. So that may be helpful is outline um, exactly the things that you've been going through, et cetera, um, that way you can just be as specific as possible with this physiatrist. Now, again, they're likely going to ask you a whole host of questions anyways. Um, and based on all those questions, they're going to come to what's called a differential list in their mind where they're going to think, okay, this sounds like it could be A, B, C, D, E, F, whatever. Um, and then they're going to start you know, by doing what they have to do, which is ordering different types of tests, um, imaging studies, et cetera, whatever it may be to rule out A, B, C, D, E until you're left with potentially one thing. Um, and then once you're left with one or two things that are more likely, that's when you can get into uh, what are the, likely the best treatment options. All right. Well, okay. One of the things that I was thinking is that because the pain has gone away and virtually is non-existent now is whether or not I should even have canceled my appointment. 
but then I decided it's probably best to talk. I, I would say just go through with the appointment, especially if you're talking it's tomorrow. Like, you know, again, it's it's not going to hurt to to have that opinion and just go from there. Her, appreciate your phone call. Yours as well. We have wide open lines, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Payne Show continues. Talk radio, AM 640. 1132 on the Dr. Payne Show. Yeah, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Bring them on. We'd love to talk to you. Have any complaints about pain or otherwise, this is the uh, the hour to call for sure. Gordon, hello there. Good morning, sir. What's going on? Long-time listener, first-time caller. All right. What's going on with you? Uh, uh well, Dr. Liu, uh, I've been medically diagnosed with spinal stenosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been an ongoing issue for me for uh, the past approximately five years. Okay. I have had uh, four MRIs done over the last uh, five years, and each one was at a regular interval, and they show the stenosis getting progressively worse. Right. Uh, having said that, uh, I have uh, been... I have seen an orthopedic surgeon in Toronto. I, I live in Northern Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the uh, report, just to uh, kind of paraphrase it all so I don't mess it up here, I do have uh, central stenosis at L3-4, severe spinal stenosis at L4-5, uh, left-sided for for mental stenosis at L5-S1, compression of the exiting L5 nerve root. Okay. Uh the options given to me by the uh, surgeon were to uh, possibly take a lower lumbar epidural injection to relieve the pain. Right. I was also informed that uh, these injections are sometimes short-lived uh, with regards to the remedial action they have anywhere from a couple of weeks to a couple of months. Uh, my next step would be a faucet rhizotomy or what he has suggested to me now because of the extent of my lumbar issues is a, uh, just to paraphrase here again, uh, uh, more definitively would be an L3-S1 posterior decompression with an instrumented fusion spanning L4-S1 with transforminal lumbar interbody fusion. Uh, I'm not a doctor. That's all jargon to me. Right. But I want a doctor to really get a clear picture of exactly what it is uh, I'm facing here. Right. Uh, I guess to boil it all down, as he suggested and uh, recommended that I go through a spinal fusion, which is, I think everyone understands, is a very serious uh, operation, and the success rates are not always as uh, uh, as, uh, as good as what we would like them to be. Yeah. Uh, I've heard anywhere from 70 to 90% success rate, and then, of course, there's always the uh, yeah, risks involved, uh, the least of which would be infection, right up to and including uh, lower body paralysis, uh, paraplegic. So my question to Dr. Liu is, having known as little as it is about my case, uh, what in his uh, with a lumbar injection, um, does he think that might be beneficial based upon the little knowledge he has about me so far? I know he can't make a diagnosis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so what I could tell you is I, I'm not going to tell you if it would or would not be. What I would say is that it is always, I think, most beneficial for anybody undergoing anything to try the least invasive options uh, before trying the most invasive options. 
Um, right. And so, you know, again, I would have to, re you know, see you personally, go through everything, assess you, look at the neurology, make sure everything, uh, you know, is kosher, it, it all makes sense. Uh, but, you know, could an epidural be part of the of the answer? Sure. And that's going to be l less invasive, obviously, than um, than surgery. And so it might be a good first step. Uh, before jumping to surgery. But again, having said that, it really depends on you've you've read me an MRI and that's one thing. Uh, it also matters how does that correlate clinically with what's going on with you? What what is the neurological exam show, et cetera? Right. Okay. Uh, okay, sir. Thank you. And then also, if I may, uh, Dr. Lou, one more quick question. Mm -hmm. uh, should I get to the point where the injections just are cutting it, so to speak? Um, if If I were to seriously consider and even opt to go for the interbody fusion. I've been told that the uh, rehab recovery uh, time period can any, be anywhere from 12 to 18 months. Now, I do live alone. I'm single with no children, and I really don't have a, a support team to kind of help me through all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, is that normally the, the case uh, for a rehab recovery period? And after that type of a surgery, in general, um, is a person able to get up and become mobile in their own house uh, for cooking? And, and yeah, again, that those are all things that those are prognostic factors that very much depend on the individual, and and it doesn't do it justice to for you and I to just speak over um, the the phone here on the radio to to have a clear picture of that. With if I saw you, I could give you a better. Um, indication as to what you personally should expect, but it, it's too loaded of a question for me to answer mm -hmm. right here and right now. I see. So, can I set up an appointment with sure. you? Sure. Uh, yep. Absolutely. Get off the air here, please. Yep. Uh, yeah, you sure can, uh, Gord. Here's the uh, here. Pardon me, uh, Paul. Here's the number one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U or info at paincarecanada.com. Uh, we'll get to uh, to Paul. My phone line's being a little screwy here. Hang on. Hey, Paul. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? Good, pal. What's going on with you? So, um, just uh, I'll give you a brief synopsis. About six, almost seven years ago, I felt a small little uh, pop in my lower back. I was um, I used to coach hockey, and uh, since that time period, I've uh, just gradually gotten worse. I've been diagnosed as an SI issue, so mm -hmm. um, my sacroiliac joint. Yep, I've undergone tests, I mean, multiple MRIs, um, x-rays, uh, all sorts of scans, and basically every one of those come back as sort of mild degeneration Sure. Okay. of the hip. Um, I've gone to a Dr. Jeremy Fennell in Oakville, and he's done some injections. I actually did some, he even did some ablation. He thought that would help. Um, I've um, done some PPL stuff. Um Actually, up to this. So I've had no success. So I'm in constant pain from a scale of waking up in the morning to being, say, one, and then by the time the end of the day ends, you're up to a nine or ten. Okay. Um, no sort of pain medication really seems to help other than something that's so severe like uh, oxycodone that would actually doesn't allow me to function other than, you know, just sort of lie on my back. So I'm wondering, um, there's some other options that I've been given and some were... Um, perhaps stem cell injections or uh, what do you, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, like the PRP injections? Well, I did the PRP and that didn't help. Okay. So you're talking about specifically, again, all these things are, um, you can try it. Have you done good rehabilitation of your low back pain? Uh, 
myself for six years. I've gone mm-hmm. through pretty much everybody who's claimed. And again, all of them claim that, yeah, you know, give me um, six sessions and I'll have you back. And No, 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 yeah. no. So when I say rehabilitation, I mean good exercising, good core rehabilitation. Like core rehabilitation means something that you would have started six years ago and you continue to do today. Because the reality about a lot of chronic back pain is that it's just there and it may never uh, necessarily go away a hundred percent but in doing these good core rehabilitation exercises this you don't sound like someone who needs continued passive intervention it sounds like you need to be doing a lot of stuff on your own um and and that may be the best option for your your low back pain okay um okay well again i so to answer your question i guess i've not done that i've done the exercises that say the the therapist may have said try to do this or or so on and so forth, but nothing has really helped. And how long have you done those exercises for? Um, on and off, I'd say for for the period of six years. But yeah, and there's there's ever there's never any you know occasionally you know other injuries where you you'll go get some treatment or a massage or something and you feel like you sure temporary that. relief. Yeah, exactly. no, you know, but I, I can't even get that. Yeah. So I think the important thing is, again, you're you're an ideal patient for me to assess. Uh, but I think you sound like someone who just needs to have per- good graded exercises introduced. Right. So that's where you work with someone that gives you the right exercises based on the evidence to get back pain better. Um, and then you make sure that you make it more and more difficult. That would be my job or the therapist's job, not for you to figure out. And you have to do these things religiously. Uh, exercising and rehabilitation is not something that can be on and off. It's it ongoing. To, it needs to be ongoing yeah. religiously. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Thanks for your call, Paul. We'll get to yours after a short break. we got open lines. Dr. Payne Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. It is 1146. We still have some time for you to call in and uh, talk to Dr. Lou. Headaches, it is headache year. I had four people in my family yesterday woke up with headaches. I don't know if this is seasonal, if it's weather, but it's a, it's a chronic thing, right? Keep those diaries happening. Yeah, it can definitely be related to the seasons. Um, yep. I also think... You know, it's not just the temperature, but when seasons change, people change the things that they do, right? So, yeah, good call. So, so and, and in changing that, that that also could potentially have an effect on your body. Uh, maybe because the weather's not as nice, you're not, you know, as active as you sure. were in the summer. So now you're a little more static and that static position can create headaches. And the same thing can happen then in the spring because now all of a sudden you go from being, you know, more uh, sedentary to a little more active. And now that activity can create things Um could also be related to the pressure that it has an effect, right? I mean, we're we're live tissue. If you took a piece of meat in and out of a fridge, um, you, there's going to be a change in that in that piece yep. of meat for sure. Um, so we are living tissue, and it is going to have an effect. But again, a lot of a lot of headaches. The vast majority of headaches are benign, right? Everybody that has a headache thinks it could be the worst thing, especially if it's a new headache. The vast majority are benign, just simply related to muscular issues, tension in the neck, tension in the upper back, etc. The postures that we use at work, whether you're in physical labor or sitting down, they're both just as bad in terms of. Uh, of headache presentation. Uh, maybe it's something that you do day to day, the way you sleep, the way you sit on the couch. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with the chronic headaches, you're right. That's where keeping that diary is very, very important because if you can keep that diary, that is when you'll be able to start to look for the common features because a lot of people um, have these headaches. They've they've gone to get scans and all this and nothing's coming back, but they still experience headaches and they want to understand, well, why do I get... Because you know, I think when I see people, and I think this is just natural, most people 
want to know first and foremost that whatever they're feeling is nothing serious. Right. Once you can reassure them of that, that that may not necessarily happen on day one. It may t- take multiple tests to get there. But then the next thing is, okay, well, then how do I get better? Because I know what I feel, and I'm glad that it's nothing serious, but I, I don't want to keep feeling this anymore. Um, and, and that's when, um, you know, in order to look for those common features, especially something like headaches, is keeping a diary, or even with chronic pain, keep a diary, a detailed diary of everything that you do, everything in your life, the temperature, the things that you ate, um, you know, the people you were around, whatever, whatever it may be, because it may just be stress related too. maybe you're dealing with someone who just drives you crazy and that creates a headache. It's not impossible. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, and so being as detailed as possible in these diaries and these pain diaries or headache diaries is going to allow you, along with your healthcare professional, to look for what are potentially the common features. And once you can identify those common features, that's when you can at least, you know, make an educated decision where you say, okay, well, you know, I've identified and I'll use the the typical example of like red wine or chocolate. A lot of people identify those as issues. Then you can make the conscious effort to say, okay, I'm going to have chocolate, but I know the consequences or, you know, I'm not ready for a headache today because I got this, this or that. So I'm not going to have any chocolate or any wine today. So it doesn't necessarily mean you have to cut those things out. It just means you'll now know that that's potentially um, a risk for creating whatever it is that you don't want to feel. And it, it might be the, the simplest or smallest thing after over time you realize a pattern going, without this diary, I never would have figured it was this tiny little thing tiny that, little that's thing. setting this off. Yeah, right? and, and I've said it a million times. It, sometimes you can identify it after doing the diary for a week. Sometimes it may take months. Sometimes, unfortunately, it can take years to look mm-hmm. for what are common features because a lot of headaches, like you're saying, are not necessarily things that happen day to day but are maybe seasonal. And so you'll maybe need to track it over a few seasons in order to have a clear picture. But yeah, it's, it's an, it's a great, great tool for anyone suffering with headaches or chronic pain. Keep a diary. It's, it's invaluable. 416-870-6400, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Got a couple minutes to go here and an email I think we'll get to after a, uh, a short break. Dr. Payne Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. 1153, still a few minutes to go till we, uh, till we uh, wrap it up. We'll get to Gary and then an email. Hi, Gary. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I had an ultrasound done on my left arm because I was getting some really excruciating pain and burning pain. And it was uh, ultrasound said that it's a torn rotator cuff. Okay. And I don't know. Do I need surgery? But I need surgery, or or will it eventually heal on itself? And I don't even know how I did it. I just woke up one morning and it was paining. So the first thing I would say is number one. So torn rotator cuff muscles Mm. are the equivalent of of X-ray seen degenerative disc disease. They are very very common, and in all honesty, often not the source of the person's pain. And when I say often, I mean that just because you're it shows it on an ultrasound doesn't necessarily mean it's the cause of your pain. It may very well be. I'd have to clinic, uh, correlate that clinically where I do some testing. Uh, but in all honesty, the vast majority of, of partial tears in a rotator cuff are not the reason for the person's pain. So does it heal on its own? It's like degenerative disc disease. Again, does it ever get better? Probably not. It's not going to you know, just heal on its own or anything. Uh, does it need surgery? Not if it's not fully torn. And again, the bigger question is if you can identify, is it the source of the pain? If it's the source of the pain and that's what's creating the issue, then maybe that's when you can consider uh, even for a partial tel- tear, surgery, et cetera. Um, but in, in my experience, a lot of the times, tell me a little bit more about your symptoms. Where's the burning pain that you have? Well, it really comes when I'm sitting on the couch at night. Like when, during the day, I can't move my arm in a certain position without it hurting. Okay. Well, at night, 
sitting on the couch. All of a sudden, I'll, I'll get this burn from the from the shoulder right down right down to the below the elbow. Okay, this feels really hot. Yep. And so hurt. so right off the bat, that type of symptom to me doesn't suggest a rotator cuff because the rotator cuff doesn't go down to the elbow. It attaches at the shoulder. To me, when people say mm-hmm. burning and shooting pain, I start to think of potentially a nerve issue. Uh, so you, the nerve may be getting entrapped in a muscle somewhere. It may be getting entrapped at the neck somewhere, especially if you're saying it's related to sitting. So that's what I mean. Potentially the source of your problem is not that rotator cuff tear. That's just what we would call an incidental finding. It just because they're so common, you, we can take a hundred people that don't have any pain whatsoever and ultrasound their shoulders, and we're probably going to see about sixty, seventy of them wow, that have really? rotator cuff tears. It's oh, just, okay. it's just the reality. And so, um, you know, I would say that the the most important thing is having someone who can correlate that. And I think come see me. We can definitely bring that ultrasound in. I'll absolutely review it. But then we can also try to cl- uh, correlate it clinically with what's going on. Um, uh, in the physical exam, because it it doesn't sound right off the bat like it's it's related to that. Well, great, I'll do that. Then, okay, for sure. Thank you, Gary. It's one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U or info at paincarecanada.com Through email, which you have right now. Yeah, there's an email that yeah. I just closed. Unfortunately, let me try to find this. It was about knee pain. Okay, I remember that much. Um, okay, here it is. So uh, so I have an email. I, the person says, I have a limp for about two years due to osteoarthritis in my knee. Finally, in June of this year, I had a partial replacement of my knee, and it feels great. The problem is that from two years of limping, I've developed severe pain in my piriformis. Uh, or, well, that's what I've been told. I went to physio, and it seemed to help, but it's backed with a vengeance, and my therapist thought perhaps it's coming from my spine. It, it does radiate down my leg when I get up from sitting positions. It goes into spasm, and I'm seeing stars. I need to know what it is and how to stop it. So, yeah, anytime you have an issue, so if you have, for example, let's take her issue, severe pain in the knee. She was waiting for a knee replacement. She obviously, it was bad enough to need a knee replacement, right. which means she had she developed a limp. In doing so, anytime you have a longstanding issue, it's going to create compensation in other areas. Um, and a lot of the times with this type of presentation, when someone has a knee issue, they're going to feel some type of problem in the hip. And the piriformis is an external rotator of the hip. It's 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 essentially a muscle in your butt. Um, and you can develop chronic issues in that. That's when it's very, very important. See, the issue is anything that you leave for too long becomes chronic, becomes yeah. much harder to treat. This is where people, a lot of times people who have this type of presentation, they're waiting for a knee replacement. They don't go do any therapy until after. There's wait. something called prehabilitation. So rehabilitation is what you do after an injury or a surgery. Prehabilitation is the things you can do prior to a surgery to improve your outcomes, right. to minimize the source of other types of uh, pain that may be associated with this. So that's number one, what I would say for people listening, if you're waiting for a surgery, you've got issues, get in to see somebody, get some therapy going, eliminate those things. Um, But in this person's uh, case, we need to assess it. We need to see, is it actually the piriformis uh, that's creating the problem? They may just... They may have the wrong diagnosis. Maybe it is coming from the spine. Maybe it is a herniated disc, and they need to have an MRI or something to identify that. So there's a lot of things here. Um, 
that can be done. But again, that prehabilitation is very, very important. So if you're waiting for a surgery, you're waiting for something, give me a call. We can set you up with someone to do these things because it greatly, greatly improves your outcomes after the surgery. Great for another week, my friend. Uh, 1-855-55-DR-LOU, D-R-L-O-U, to give him a call. Book that free, uh, free consultation and info at paincarecanada.com. Till next time, next week, Dr. Pain Show, Talk Radio, AM 640.